Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. The Colorectal Cancer Alliance is hosting their Walk to End Colon Cancer on Saturday, October 22nd at Spanish Landing in San Diego. On the line to tell us more is Chelsea Edwards, Senior Director for the Colorectal Cancer Alliance, and Christina Patrick, a Stage 4 colon cancer survivor and ally for the Alliance. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Christina, start by telling us about your diagnosis and journey as a cancer survivor. Yeah, so my journey kind of started in February of 2020. When I went to the ER for the first time with abdominal pain, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, and I walked out with them telling me that I had a severe urinary tract infection, which didn't sound quite right because I was drinking a gallon of water a day and taking a cranberry supplement and using the bathroom when I needed. So I followed up with my primary physician. And she ran me through a whole gauntlet of questions and did a physical exam. And at the end of that, she had a hinkling that something might be going on with my ovaries. And so she sent me for a CT scan to see what was going on. And that revealed that I had a four centimeter complex cyst on my left ovary. So I followed up with my OBGYN after that. And they weren't too concerned with the size of the cyst. And being a woman in child-bearing age years, I was only 26 at the time, they wanted to follow up in six weeks. So I made a plan to follow up in six weeks, but one week before that six-week follow-up, I went back to the ER with the same symptoms as I had in February. This time it was late May. And that time they told me that I had colitis, which was inflammation of the colon, and gave me two super strong antibiotics and sent me from there. But while I was there, I had mentioned to them that there was a cyst on my left ovary that we were going to follow up on the following week. So they went ahead and ran another CT scan and an ultrasound. And at that point, it showed that my four centimeter cyst in five weeks had grown to 12 centimeters. So they had then declared that it was a tumor instead of a cyst and recommended that I follow up with my OBGYN immediately. So that was on a Thursday. My OBGYN was closed on Friday, closed for the weekend, so I had to wait until Monday. And I called my OBGYN. They got me in and said, well, you're having surgery regardless because of the effects that the tumor could have on your body. Your ovary could cut off blood supply. But they ran me through a bunch of blood tests, and they said my tumor markers looked 
okay. All my other labs looked okay. So they said, you have nothing to worry about. We'll get it out. You'll go on from there. And I was like, okay, great. So then that was the beginning of June. And I wasn't able to get my surgery scheduled because of everything going on with COVID. And so they saw my surgery scheduled for the end of July, July 27th, 2020. So I went in and I went through my pre-op and I had my surgeon come in and she squeezed my left foot and she said, just a reminder, you have like 0.001% chance of anything bad happening. I'll see you when you wake up. The procedure was supposed to take about an hour, but I ended up being in there over three hours. And when I got out, my surgeon had to go straight into another surgery. So I was outpatient. My mom got me into the car, took me home. And then when I got settled into a recliner, she told me that my surgeon would have thought that I was six months pregnant, that the tumor she removed was the size of a basketball and that it was malignant. So at first I was like, well, no wonder I didn't fit into my pants because from like May to the end of July, like I literally could not fit into any of my pants. And I was, it felt like I was always bloated. My stomach was super hard. Like it literally did feel and look like I was pregnant. So my pathology didn't come in for a couple of weeks until August 13th. And at that time, they told me that I had stage one ovarian cancer. And that they believed it was isolated to my ovary. They removed my ovary. They removed my fallopian tube. Everything else looked good. But then I questioned it because I was still having the gastrointestinal issues that I had gone to the ER twice before for. So that's when they suggested sending me in for a colonoscopy to see if I had some underlying gastrointestinal issue. So... Because of everything being backed up, I wasn't able to get in for colonoscopy until the middle of September. So I did my prep and I went in for my colonoscopy and I came out and the gastroenterologist said that they found a mass that was almost a full obstruction. And so he said, of course, we have to wait for the pathology, but I do this enough. I'm going to tell you right now, it's probably going to come back as cancerous. And so he said, you should get a referral for a surgeon that can do a colon resection. So it only took about a week for the pathology to come back. And he called and told me, yes, indeed, you know, it confirms what I was thinking it was cancerous. And so from there, I had an appointment with a colorectal surgeon. And I went in and he was, you know, at first was, wow, you're so young. I was only 26, you know. So relatively healthy. Otherwise, you're so young. I can't believe this. And I'm like, yeah, me too. So he kind of went through everything and was like, okay, well, it's almost a full obstruction. Like we don't want it to grow to the point that it is fully obstructing your colon. So if they can't get you scheduled within the next week for surgery, I'm going to tell you which ER to walk into, what to say, and we'll do it as an emergency surgery because this needs to happen now. So he was amazing with getting me in. They did get me scheduled within that week. So the beginning of October, I had my colon resection and they removed a foot long section of my colon with multiple lymph nodes. And so after pathology came back, they said I had stage 3C colon cancer in addition to the stage 1 ovarian cancer. 
And so from that point, because it involved lymph nodes, they were going to follow it up with chemotherapy. So then I met with an oncologist at the beginning or end of October, beginning of November. And he said, you know, this is the whole process of we're going to get you in. You're going to do this many rounds. This is the medicine that you're going to have. One was going to be oral and one was going to be through IV. And so then he went through all of the the statistics and, you know, recommended that we start within eight weeks of when I had my surgery because that reduced the chance of a recurrence by 30% compared to what it would be if we went past that eight weeks. So I started chemotherapy in December of 2020 and I did eight rounds of capecitabine, which was oral, and then I had my IV one, which I went in once every three weeks, and that one was oxaliplatin. And so I did that. I had to go in by myself because of COVID. I had to do everything by myself, ER visits. I had to go into the oncology office by myself. But thankfully, throughout the whole process, I had great nurses and even the other patients that were in, you know, getting their chemotherapy or iron infusions. They were great company. So I started my chemotherapy without a port. I did my first two rounds without a port. They just, you know, put in the IV with a needle and it did the drip from there. But on my second infusion, my arm got super cold, almost felt like it was like frozen and it swelled up. So from that point, they decided that they were going to place a port in my chest that could then be easier to access to um, have the drip of chemotherapy and also draw my blood for lab. So I got my port placed in January of 2021. And from there, it made it a lot easier to receive my chemotherapy and have my lab done. So my port was a lifesaver. And then I finished chemotherapy in May of 2021. My mom put together a socially distanced get-together. She had, you know, everything started off so people could come and celebrate me taking my last oral chemotherapy, which was the end of all of my chemotherapy. So we had a huge party in our driveway and the street with people, you know, away. And I just remember I was so exhausted, but it was so good to see people because I hadn't been around them for so long, you know, with COVID and then just being extra careful because you know, the chemotherapy completely knocked out everything in my immune system that I was more susceptible to getting sick. So that was a huge day for not only me, but my family and friends that were able to come. So after that, it was just following up with my oncologist. It was set for every three months, I would get my labs done, which would test my CA, my cancer antigen. And then every six months, I would get a scan to check on everything. So my first follow-up was in September of 2021. And at that time, my liver enzymes were elevated. And this time I was like, okay, I'm feeling great. You know, I'm done with chemotherapy. I don't really feel like I have anything to worry about. So I went into this appointment by myself. And my oncologist walked in and, you know, he started with the pleasantries. And then he said, I'm really worried about your liver enzymes. He says, I fear that you have a mass on your liver. So I want to send you for a CT scan. 
So, you know, I walked out, I held it together until I got into the hallway outside of the office. And then I called my husband and I was like, he thinks my cancer's back in. I had to stay in my car until I could gather myself to drive to my parents' house like 10 minutes away. So the whole month of September pretty much felt like a blur thinking that my cancer was back. And during that time, I went and got my port removed because it was causing me issues and there wasn't any point in having it after chemotherapy. If it wasn't working and it was causing me issues, it was better to have it out. And when they took it out, a part of it sheared off on my collarbone. And actually stayed in me. It traveled through my ventricle and my atrium and my heart. And then out through my pulmonary artery into one of my smaller pulmonary arteries towards my lung. And so that was an adventure to have to go and find. They told me that they believed it was in my heart. But then the scans revealed that it was actually in one of those smaller pulmonary branches. So then in October 2021, I had a procedure done where they went through my femoral artery and they use a wire with a little lasso on the end and they travel up through my heart and then had to find the needle in the haystack, which was the missing piece of my porticast. So I was awake for that one. I was under local anesthesia and it was a very long procedure, but they were able to get it and it ended up being like a six to eight centimeter portion of the tubing of my porticast that had lodged itself in one of my smaller pulmonary branches that if I didn't get it removed, it would have caused my lung to collapse. And then during that time after, I had my CT scan and that revealed that my liver looked great. I had no recurrence. So the whole month of September, I was worried about a recurrence. My cancer was back and on October 1st, I found out that I didn't have a recurrence of my cancer. And after that... I kind of evaluated the care that I had received. So I started looking into other areas and I came across Scripps MD Anderson in San Diego. And, you know, MD, MD Anderson is a renowned cancer center. So I looked into my insurance to see if I could switch to them. And my insurance said, yeah, you're covered under them. So I called, I switched my primary, I switched my oncology, I switched every kind of care that I could have over to script and I made an appointment. They ran my pathology from my surgery where they removed the mass on my ovary and the surgery where they removed the mass in my colon. And when they ran the pathology slides side by side, they said, wait, you don't have two primary cancers. You don't have ovarian and colon cancer. You have colon cancer that metastasized to your ovary. So you're actually stage four colon cancer with metastases to your ovary. So at this point, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, how could I have been being treated for two different primaries? And that was one of my main questions. Are you sure it's not just one? And, you know, the explanation was, well, if it would have gone from your colon to your ovary, it would have touched your liver and you would see it in your liver. That was the explanation that I got. But then when I switched to script and they ran it side by side, they're like, no, that is a possibility that that could happen, but it doesn't happen in everybody. So that was like my first moment of, I am so glad that I switched because I would have still been being treated as I had two different primaries and that would change the course of my care 
without the realization that I actually had one that had spread to another. So I've been at Strip since December of 2022 and have the cancer free. I've had clean scans, clean labs, and that's why I've gotten so involved with raising awareness, especially being so young. It's not something that people think of as being a young person's cancer, but there's a large portion of people nowadays that are early onset that are younger, that are getting diagnosed. I was going to say, you were so young. You were only 26 when you were diagnosed. Was getting screened for colon cancer exactly. even something that was on your radar? No, because I had no family history and I really had no symptoms up until I went to the ER the first time in February. So I had no suspicion that there was anything that I would need a colonoscopy for until, you know, I was having those gastrointestinal issues. And after the surgery, I was still having them. But they said, well, let's just try a colonoscopy and see if there's something there. Because screening at that time was 50, which has now been reduced to 45. So I wasn't even anywhere near that because I was only 26 with, you know, like I said, no family history, no you know, markers that would even make me in the at-risk group. And you are now in remission. I am. I'm one year and four months, no evidence of disease. That is a miracle to come back from stage four colon cancer like that. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, that was actually something that was interesting when they did clarify that I wasn't stage one ovarian and stage three colon that I was stage four was my oncologist described it as I am in the curable column of stage four patients because I had the areas that were affected by the cancer cells recepted, taken out, and then it was followed up with the chemotherapy. So that actually put me into a curable column versus the incurable column where I would have to try different therapies, different procedures until one just stopped working. So thankfully, even though I ended up switching and I'm so glad I switched, the care that I did receive was the right pathway before I switched because it all happened so fast. I didn't really have time to think, you know, I never had any experience with it. Oh, no, that doesn't sound right. Or yeah, that sounds right. I didn't have that time or that knowledge to think about the care that I was getting because it was just, you know, you're sick. You have, to have, you have to have surgery. You have to have chemotherapy. And it was just like, boom, boom, boom. And then once I was done with chemotherapy is where I could really sit down and educate myself and think about it. I'm speaking with Chelsea Edwards, Senior Director for the Colorectal Cancer Alliance, and Christina Patrick, a stage four colon cancer survivor. Chelsea, tell us about the mission of the Colorectal Cancer Alliance. How do you serve patients like Christina? Sure. So the Colorectal Cancer Alliance, we are an organization. We're the largest colon cancer uh, organization in the world. And we are really dedicated to not only helping patients like Christina and their families, but spreading awareness and um, increasing screening rates and making sure that folks know that this is a preventable disease if caught early enough and it's a curable disease if caught early enough um, and making sure that that awareness uh, is as high as it could possibly be. Um, And then on the other end of things, we're there to care for patients like Christina when they are diagnosed, give that guidance, uh, like Christina talked about questioning her care and feeling like she didn't know, she's not an oncologist, you know, so she wouldn't have a reason. And you know, when these patients are diagnosed, they're in such a, um, things happen so quickly. And uh, there's lots of words being thrown around like chemo and treatment and prognosis. And it's hard to know um, what the right answer is and to be a patient advocate. And so we have um, a team of patient navigators that are available 
to patients across the country through our helpline um, and several uh, programs like our buddy program that are, you know, colon cancer survivors that are available to mentor and be there for newly diagnosed patients. So we are very passionate about not only screening awareness and prevention, but also that patient care side of the house. Um, In addition to that, we're funding research so that there are new treatments and new opportunities, new options for patients once diagnosed and new screening options for people beforehand. How is the Alliance working to combat the relatively low rates of screening and making sure people are getting screened? Sure. So we um, are doing a lot of things. You know, we are with our walk down colon cancer, which is, you know, what we're talking about today uh, that's happening in San Diego um, on October 22nd. Our mission with the walk down colon cancer across the country is um, our hashtag is walk loud. And it's all about rejecting the stigma that oftentimes comes with this disease and stopping the silence. We want our survivors and folks that have been impacted by CRC in the CRC community to feel empowered, to be loud and proud about what they've been through and to share their story in order to save lives. Um, the thing about colon cancer is that the silence that comes with it is deadly because not talking about it is what keeps people from going and being screened when they need to be um, and they're being diagnosed later when they're not treatable. Christina talked about the difference between being, you know, curable versus non-curable and, um, you know, stage one versus stage four. All of those things are impacted by, by how early you catch the disease. And that's all about screening when appropriate. So we're uh, really here to raise awareness through our walk to make sure that our community is empowered and informed and ready to go out and tell others about it. Uh, we were lucky enough to partner with Ryan Reynolds, the organization, um, marketing organization, Maximum Effort. I put out a great video just a couple of weeks ago um, with him and his friend Rob McAway from Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where they both went in right at um, age 45. They both turned 45 last year and got their first colonoscopies. And both of them have no family history, had no symptoms. And Ryan's colonoscopy found one polyp and Rob found three. So it just goes to show you that it doesn't symptoms, you know, no symptoms doesn't mean no cancer. Um, not being 45 yet, as Christina's story showed us. Um, doesn't mean no cancer. It's actually um, a scary statistic that we talk about all the time is that it's estimated by 2030 that CRC will be the leading cause of cancer death in folks under 45. And when you think about all of the other cancers that we talk about, that's something that I feel like is surprising to folks. And we need to get that statistic out there so that people understand you need to be an advocate for yourself, much like Christina was, and make sure that you're getting the screenings when you have symptoms, not just waiting until you're 45. So who should be screened and when? The, the standard uh, was just lowered from age 50 to 45 last year, which we were so grateful for. And that's the standard age that we recommend everybody get screened. So whether you have symptoms or not, family history or not, everybody 45 and up should be getting screened regularly with your GI doctor. But that's not the only group. If you have any type of symptoms, flood your stool, a change in your bowel movement, if something doesn't feel right, you need to talk to your doctor about the possibility of getting screened or getting a colonoscopy. So those symptoms are super important and being, you know, knowing your body, trusting your body and understanding when it's time to talk to a medical professional is really important. And much like Christina said, I think she mentioned at one point, one of our doctors said, you know, hey, you're too young. There's a very low chance that something bad's going to come back. We've heard that story over and over again from our young onset survivors that are really involved with us. So many doctors don't expect those diagnoses to come back or to find anything in these screenings. And so being an advocate for yourself, trusting what your body's telling you 
is something that we really advocate for with our allies. I'm speaking with Chelsea Edwards, Senior Director for the Colorectal Cancer Alliance, and Christina Patrick, a stage four colon cancer survivor. Tell us about the Walk to End Colon Cancer coming up on Saturday, October 22nd. Yes, and we're so excited to be coming back to San Diego with the Walk to End Colon Cancer. For many years, folks probably have heard of the Undie Run, which was our um, our 5K event pre-COVID, and it was a timed 5K, and we have transitioned to the Walk to End Colon Cancer which is an untimed event, welcomes everyone from the CRC community and beyond. And we've just gone through an entire rebranding. We are super excited to be hashtag walk loud and really bringing home the idea that we need to be loud about this disease. We need to turn up the volume on Colorectal Cancer Alliance. The energy to end this disease must match the devastating impact of this disease. 8% of all new cancer diagnoses are CRC. It's the second leading cause of cancer-related death in men and women. And it's estimated that by 2030, this will be the leading cause of cancer death for folks under 45. These are all things that, you know, should have us pounding the pavement, stomping and yelling in the streets, um, and making sure that change happens. Um, This is also one of the least funded cancers in the research space. There's just not enough energy around ending this disease, and it's a 100% preventable and curable disease if found early. We could find these, if we could find colon cancer at the polyp stage before it turns into cancer, we can end this disease completely, and that's something that's really exciting for us. So the walk is all about that. It's all about making noise, getting loud. We've implemented some new moments in the walk that will allow our participants to really make noise and turn up the volume on the disease. And we hope that it leaves our CRC community, you know, walks away empowered and excited to spread the word and to stop the silence and reject the stigma and talk to their loved ones about making sure they're getting screened. How much does it cost to participate? Uh, it is absolutely free to register for the walk. Uh, we do have um, a fundraising level of $100 to earn a walk and colon cancer t-shirt. But to just register and come out and walk and enjoy the day, it's absolutely free. And how can we get signed up for this event? You can easily sign up by visiting the website at ccalliance.org slash San Diego Walk, or you can just go to our website, ccalliance.org, and check out our walk page to find the walk that way too. And are volunteers needed at this event or for other projects with the Colorectal Cancer Alliance? Yes, absolutely. We're always looking for volunteers, everything from joining our walk planning committee, the group of dedicated survivors and caregivers and allies who Um, work all year round to help us put this event on, joining the walk as a walk day volunteer, coming out to be a course marshal and working our registration tent and all of those fun things. And even beyond the walk, we're always looking for buddies for our buddy program. That is the program I mentioned earlier, where folks can work with newly diagnosed survivors, caregivers, and serve as a mentor to them and somebody, a shoulder to cry on, um, someone to lean on through their journey. We're we're always looking for volunteers and allies to just help us spread the word. Um, We've got screening projects going on all across the country that um, we're always looking for folks to help get involved with that as well. I've been speaking with Chelsea Edwards, Senior Director for the Colorectal Cancer Alliance, and Christina Patrick, a stage four colon cancer survivor, about the Walk to End Colon Cancer happening Saturday, October 22nd at Spanish Landing in San Diego. Is there anything else you think we should know? You know, I just think that it's important for folks to come out and be involved in the day. Even if you haven't been impacted by colorectal cancer, it doesn't mean that you won't be in the future. And I think that lots of folks uh, see this disease as something that is an old person's disease, something that, um, you know, they don't have to worry about or think about. Just like Christina said, this wasn't even on her radar when she first had 
symptoms that this can be a possibility. And so I think it would be great for everyone to come out, hear more about this disease and what we can do to end it and to come and enjoy the day and help us raise life-saving dollars and raise life-saving awareness. And if you can't come out, just promise that you'll call your doctor about getting your colonoscopy if you're 45 or older or if you're experiencing symptoms and make sure your loved ones do the same. Ladies, thank you so much for talking with us today. Christina, it was so happy to hear that you are now in remission. Chelsea, thank you for making a difference in our community. And I hope the walk to end colon cancer on Saturday, October 22nd is a huge success. Thank you. Thank you. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.